Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is a doctoral candidate at South Florida University, Ms. Patricia Gills. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I, I actually came across, it's just funny, like how, how this networking thing goes. I had a podcast with your friend, Maya. Mm-hmm. And then I listened to you guys have a live and I was like, man, I need to get her on my podcast and you actually agreed to it. So thank you. That's awesome. Did Maya tell you how she actually met me? No, but you can tell it. (laughs) So we were at the American Psychological Association um, National Conference in Chicago. And me and one of my other friends who's black, who's getting a PhD too, we were just like at the student social and we were like, oh, there's other black girls. So all the black <laughs> girls got together and we were like, we're going to be friends for life. And since then, like, we just kind of connect and vibe because there's not a lot of us in the field. So met her at a conference and now we're really good friends. Wow. So, so it's not a, so it's not a, not a, it's not represented, Will, is what you're saying? Yeah. So how important is it that, how did that factor into your decision going into that field because it's so underrepresented? Yes. So when I was a junior or a senior, whenever I was applying to grad school, I was working at Kennedy Krieger, which is a hospital. And my advisor was a black man, which was like really awesome. And he was telling me about how when he was in grad school, he was the only black guy in all of his courses. And he's like, yeah, and it's even like, it's low for black people. So knowing what I know about how bad the black community needs therapy and how little of us there are. Like, I was like, I gotta go. I gotta be a black psychologist. I gotta help people who look like me. Wow. How, how, how long have you been pursuing a doctorate? So I'm in my fourth year. So I'm literally almost done. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Thank you. What's next after you finish? So I'm applying to internships right now and I do pediatrics. So I'm going to hopefully do an internship and then do a postdoc so I can get licensed. And then my goal would be just work at a hospital like people of color who have like chronic health conditions such as HIV um, or anything that like affects black people. So maybe like even sickle cell. Oh, yeah. Staying in the- yeah. Yeah. Sickle cell is man. That's a my nephew has sickle cell and that's mm. It's a beast. It is. And it's there's so many nuances to it where doctors are taught how to care for white people, but there are so many things with black people where like we don't want to disclose certain things. So even in schools of a kid has sickle cell, parents don't want to really trust the school system. So their kid might not get the accommodations that they need, which is why school psychologists are so important, especially pediatric ones, because we're able to advocate for people and be like, hey, I know that culturally you don't want to disclose these things, you don't trust the school system because of history, but like, hey, let's help your kid do better and be better. I'm gonna tell you what you said on on the live that I was like, man, I gotta talk to her. Um, it was a portion of the, of the conversation you was having with Maya, and you said, and I I can't say exactly what you said, but it was it was something to the effect of black people, the the white the system is not for us to be educated; it's for us to like conform. How I can't remember how you worded it. So I do research with critical race theory. And so if you look at what schools are based on, they're based on Protestantism, Republicanism, and capitalism. And so the whole point of schools in the US was, it was part of the like savage nativism paradigm where white people wanted natives and black people to assimilate. There has never been room in the education system for them to accommodate black culture. If you want to do well, you have to 
do what white people want you to do. Learn what they want you to learn, act how they want you to act. And if you cannot conform to those norms, you're gonna get suspended, you're gonna get expelled, and you're not gonna do well. And that's just how the system is set up. Did you did you do you learn this while you were doing your studies? Yes, yeah, so my dissertation work, but I think also through life. I think what has helped me be successful is that people always say, oh, you talk white, you act white. So people have told me, oh, we approve of you because you don't act like a typical black person. Damn. Yeah. How, how do you feel when you hear that? It was always so interesting. Like, you know, like the term, like being called an Oreo, for example. Yeah, yeah. I heard that so much growing up and I was always so confused because my parents are both immigrants. My dad is from Jamaica, speaks Patois. My mom is from Ghana, speaks Chui. Like we eat with our hands. I talk like this because I talk like this and I was just taught to have good vocabulary. And so people would say things and I'd be like, I'm black as hell, but okay. <laughs> like, I'm just okay. That's, man, yeah. I, the whole um, talking, talking white and because my wife gets that a lot and you know that that's it's, it's kind of weird to hear people say that I don't know it, like it's like when you talk like when you talk educated it's talking white yeah like if I speak proper English I'm white or maybe I just talk like this like that's not fair <laughs> it's one thing like now I will say like people who grow up in um neighborhoods it's like predominantly white they had they do kind of take on that white accent i don't that sounds crazy but to I me mean, it's valid though because i feel like there's definitely a way that white people talk but like i also know how to code switch so i can go from talking like this to like speaking in ebonics if i need to <laughs> but no it's not even it's not even the words it's kind of like the projection of your voice because like even like Especially like like they say men like when they talking to white people they, they kind of like black men lower their voice because it could come off as intimidating. I don't know how true it is. Like, oh, yeah, I don't, like I don't know. I, um, I could say I I think I subconsciously do it myself. Mm -hmm. Like lower my voice when I'm talking to them. Only and I don't know why. It's not because I'm trying to appease them or anything. It's just. It's just, it, it could be different talking to them. <laughs> it's probably genetic though. So one thing I've learned is that when it comes to trauma, you can inherit trauma from other people, like from your parents or your great grandparents. You could have something that you're afraid of that you don't know why you're afraid of it, but it's based on trauma. So it could be possible that in your lineage, the black men in your family were like, hey, we gotta, we gotta talk lower. We gotta do this, we gotta do that so we can be safe. And you might have just like, that could just be in your genes. Or maybe you learned it from seeing people talk to white people. And we do these things subconsciously, but it's really just trauma. Hmm. Wow. Now you got me wondering. <laughs> <laughs> that was the black experience. We do things and we don't even think about it. And then we're like, wait, what? It's like, that's how we stay safe. Because when you go through trauma, your brain is like, how can I keep you safe? So you will subconsciously do things that you're like, oh, that's why I'm doing that? Cool. But you know what? Another thing too. Sometimes, like it's like again, just being a man, especially a black man, they're already intimidated. So it could just be you kind of like trying to make them not feel intimidated subconsciously. I don't know. I don't it's know. like 
know how they view us. Yeah. It's not that we want to appease them. We want to stay safe because, I mean, we live in America. You see what happens to black people when they just mind in their business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, most of them you work with, they, you know, they could be your supervisor or something like that. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> so easy to come aggressive to them. Like as a PhD student in the program that I'm in, I'm thankfully I've been able to help make a lot of change, but like just a little, the little everyday interaction with white people, it just, it's so exhausting sometimes. Wow. How is that? Just like being like, just being in a field where you just so like, especially a, you, not only are you black, but you're a woman. So you're a double minority. So what is it like just dealing, you know, having to deal with that on the day to day? I had to adjust because, so I did my undergrad in Towson, which is in Baltimore. So I was around white people, but they was with it. And so when I got to Florida, I would like say things like slang and people would be like, what? And I was like, oh, or I'd like play like my music and they'd be like, oh my God, this is like so impressive. Like they would be like, it was like, <laughs> it was like a problem. And I was like, oh, I, I can't be acting like this. <laughs> like, what, even part of Florida? Black- what part of Florida were you in? I was in Tampa. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't, I don't know too much about Tampa. What's the demographic like? They say Tampa's diverse and like it is, but it's still very white. Oh, okay. Okay. And then we were talking before we started recording. You you mentioned that you're getting ready to get married. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Are you are you ready to take that big step? A hundred percent I am. Because <laughs> <laughs> we was talking about like um black marriages and black family. And and you had some great perspectives, and I wanted you to make sure you shared it so other people can hear it. It's kind of a rant that I've been going on for years. So I grew up Harford County, Maryland, kind of in Baltimore. So, you know, my friend, I grew up low SES. So, you know, welfare. So I'll actually start historically. So let's think about why a lot of Black people don't get married. Because there's like a high percentage of Black women who do not get married and Black men as well. And so it comes back from slave days where, you know, families were separated and men were used to pretty much just fertilize women. And I don't think that we realize it, but we still do that at least from where I grew up, because I don't really have a lot of black friends that are married. All my white friends married. (laughs) My black friends, two, three kids with a person. Maybe they're living together. Probably not. Who knows? But marriage is not in the, in the cards. Now, let me, let me, let me stop you for one second. What, What age are we talking? My friends are all my age. So like I have friends who are 25, 26, 30. And they're just like, I don't need to get married. But I'm like, but you have a kid. Or two. That's a lifelong commitment. And the white ones are married? Like, that's 25? I have, when I got to grad school, every one of my cohort was engaged. 22 years old, engaged, married, within a year. (laughs) Wow. Damn. Okay, proceed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was an interesting environment to be in, because I was like, oh, I'm used to my friends being baby mamas and baby daddies and people cheating on each other. And, like, that's that was the norm where I was from. So when I came to Florida and all these white people were like, yeah, we're getting engaged. I was like, really y- y'all want to get married they're like yeah i'm like are you pregnant they're like no we just want to marry each other and i was like oh <laughs> i thought Damn. you had to be obligated like i and i had to like unlearn that but i feel like in the black community we don't talk about the fact that we don't value marriage and it's not our fault mm. 
So you, so you're tracing it back to slavery. Yes, that's that's where it started. So we weren't allowed to have families. So, okay, so now let's be clear. You know, how do we get? How do you think we get past that? Because man, that that's a good question because it's generational. Because a lot of black people like. I know you asked me before we started recording, you were like, oh, so did you see marriages in your family? And I'm like, yeah, my grandparents have been married for 41 years. So they don't play when it comes to my aunts and my uncles. They're like, y'all need to get married. But a lot of other Black people, no one in their family has been married. So like, I have an aunt, for example, her dad had a girlfriend of 21 years. Damn. I'm not dating anyone for 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what are we dating for? Damn, 21 years? But that's so common. Like a lot of black people will just like, will live with these people, will have kids with them. Like I have a friend who her and her boyfriend just broke up after 11 years and two kids. No marriage. Damn. Mm. Yeah, that's... It's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't even have the words for that because you, you, it's unfortunate because we do see it a lot. Just, mm-hmm. you know in our community and i and and it's funny me and my wife talk about this because we we was watching some show um my wife always had me watching all this shit but we was watching (laughs) some show um it was it was um middle easterns indians Mm -hmm. middle eastern indians and their you know in their culture marriages were arranged yes and my wife is like we're the only ones who marry for love and I'm like, damn, I, I couldn't even debate that. Like in our society, we we like I don't I don't like. It could be a Western thing because I I don't know I don't know if white people really arrange marriages either. But like Middle Easterns, they definitely do. The the like the Indian and stuff, they definitely do. Cause I have we watched the whole damn show about it. So do you think that you think what do you think about that? Like arranged marriages so fun fact about arranged marriage so research they've done studies on arranged marriages versus love marriages and arranged marriages actually report happy more happiness more security and they last longer than love marriages i could see that i could definitely see that and it's it's has to do with the mentality so like here in the west we are are we northern we're western we are more like, I am all about me and I got to progress myself. We're very individualized. Whereas um, like Middle Eastern people are more collectivist. So they care about the unit. They want their family to succeed. So they're more like in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What, what do you think? Would you would you do a arranged marriage? Um, well, in my culture, it's kind of a thing. Like before I decided to marry the person that I'm marrying, my mom was like, Hey, there's this guy in Ghana and he thinks you're cute. You want to get married? And it would not have been. <laughs> Literally, I was like, uh, I don't think he's cute. So I don't want to marry him, but <laughs> people do it. Like I have a few friends from Africa, like from different countries in Africa who are getting married to people that they don't really know, but they're going to be fine. Oh, oh! So you know some people that's doing it. Yeah. But you how, have have they done it yet, or they they're in the process of doing it? So I have one friend who just got engaged, and his sister actually was just married. I mean, they've been married since August. 
I have another friend who's actually Indian and she got arranged married like a year ago. That girl is living her best life. She's so happy. She eats good. (laughs) 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 Are you you nervous about taking this step? No, because I've been single for the past two years and I've taken that time to do a lot of work on myself. So like I've been to therapy, I've got baptized. So I'm like really big on my faith. And like, I've studied marriage. Like I've done couples counseling, like as a therapist for people, I've talked to married couples. So I'm very prepared, <laughs> pretty self-aware. So I'm, I'm excited. You said you prepared, huh? Yes. I've done the work on myself and really understanding what marriage means, but also understanding what a godly marriage means. What does godly marriage mean? Godly marriage is dying to yourself every day and being selfless. It is waking up and seeing how can you best serve your partner. Damn. I need to look into that. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, we both, I'm I'm joking, but I'm serious. We both do a, we both do a lot of sacrifice and that's something, that's something that you learn early. Um, it's a hard lesson to learn though. Is and, and the thing is you reading about it is one thing, mm-hmm. but applying it, man, that's going to so be that's interesting that you said that because I was once like talking to my therapist, like a year ago about something like with love. And I was like, well, love is sacrifice and she's married. And she was like, no, love is compromise because sacrifice means that you are missing out on something, losing something or harmed. Compromise means that you both win. And the way that we talk about things is so important because words have meanings and words have connotations, but also like the way that you speak about things determines how you interpret them. So if if you're like, I'm sacrificing this for my wife, it's going to make you kind of resent them a little bit, but it's like, oh, we compromise. It's like, oh, we worked together as a team and got this thing done. You know what? That's a, that's a really good point. I've, I've never really thought about it that way. And I use the word sacrifice a lot, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, but, but I don't think about it in that way, but there, but that can, that can happen though. Like of course, yeah. you can't feel resentful about some things, some decisions that you make. Especially when you talk about those things in a certain way, like, oh, I had to sacrifice all this stuff for you, Da-da-da-da. but it's like, oh, we made a compromise. Yeah, it's amazing how that sounds so much different. Mm-hmm. It's the same idea. It's just how I'm approaching it is different. You said you were single for two years. Yes. What, but, okay, <laughs> when, you, when you say single, you mean y'all were dating or? No. So I am marrying my best friend. Oh. <laughs> yes. Whoa. So y'all were friends and then, I mean, y'all skipped the dating part or? Yeah, we've known each other. Well, well, we've known each other since fifth grade. So we dated in fifth and sixth grade. So we did date back in the day. <laughs> what? Yeah. But... Hey, okay, so, so <laughs> you count that? No, but. Oh, okay. <laughs> that wasn't worth mentioning. <laughs> It, it was the foundation. <laughs> so. Fifth and sixth grade. Oh my God. 
Let, let's come let's come up let's fast forward a little bit so you guys are best friends yes and you didn't date no we did not <laughs> oh man this this podcast definitely took a turn it did it's so funny though because so i'm i'm very spiritual but i also like listen to research so research shows that couples that have foundations as friends last longer like the friendship part is what makes marriages last long so if you have a good foundation as friends you're going to be gucci but also we're both really really like i guess i would say devout christians and so like we prayed on it a lot and got confirmations from god and our families are also on board so we're like okay let's do this thing let's have fun wow this is shit you didn't, <laughs> you didn't do me for a total loop. I thought you were dating. Like, I thought, you, you know, when you told me you guys were getting married, I thought y'all were dating a couple years. And... Nope. <laughs> and you, and you, man, because listen, let me be clear. I do not want to come off like this person is doubting and negative because, again, y'all prayed about an initial decision. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make you a little nervous? No. That's okay. one thing. So I, I mean, I've done a lot of work on myself. I've read and things like that. And I, I'm very good when it comes to my intuition and knowing of what is and is not good for me. And this doesn't feel wrong, rushed or weird in any way. It feels very natural. It feels like this is how it's supposed to feel, how it's supposed to be. And what about him? Is he doing the work? Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh my God. I'm definitely going to have to follow this story. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I, I will say this. You're right. You're right with the friend part. I'm going to tell you something that I don't, I don't talk about a lot. Like one of the things that I don't like to hear is I don't care what nobody say. And, and ironically, you're in this situation. People are always like, you need to marry your best friend. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't like hearing that. I don't. Hmm. Because I, I tell my wife, no, she's not my best friend. She's not. She's not my best friend. And I don't know if she, I, I've told her before, and I don't know if she's going to get upset hearing this on a podcast, but she's not. She's not my best friend. <laughs> like, I love her dearly. And she's my soulmate. She's that, which is way more important than being my best friend. She's a soulmate. Like we talk about things, like I share my dreams with her. I share my aspirations with her. I share my problems with her, things like that. But I just look at friendship different. Like like for me, my best friend, I gotta be able to, you know, we watch sports together, but it's just like with the fellas, like my brothers, my boys, like oh, okay. I always feel like my best friend. Mm-hmm. Like her, uh, that, yeah. that makes sense. So the way that I view my friendships and how I value my friends is probably different than most people. Like I'm the kind of person, me and my friends are always like, I love you so much. I'm so grateful you're in my life. Cause like, and I'm just really close to my friends in general. Mm-hmm. Like my friends are like all my little soulmates in like different ways. Like, they're all like different parts of me. Now, how in the world did this come about? Who proposed the idea of y'all getting married? I think we both did. We were actually, we were reading like scripture together. Cause I was like, God keeps taking me 
to this book in the Bible, like, what do you think it's saying? And he's like, this is what I think. And I'm like, that's what I think. And I was like, wait, um, I think this is what God's telling me to do. He's like, I think so too. And like, we prayed on it and, and we've been praying on this for months and months and months. Like, this is like, like a thing that happened like overnight. Like we've been like working on this in general, but a lot of it was just like scripture and Bible reading and like confirmations from God, honestly. I know everybody down to know what book is this? <laughs> the book of Ruth. It's a book about this girl named Ruth and her husband dies and she goes with her mother-in-law to a different town. And there she's working in the fields. And while she's in the fields, this really rich, awesome, beautiful man, Boaz, he sees her. And so she goes and she lays herself at his feet in the middle of the night and he chooses her and he marries her. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of things in there about like how you have to be faithful and sit out in faith and follow God no matter what. And so there's a lot in there, but that's kind of the book that brought us together. The whole book or a certain chapter? The whole book. It's, it's a really short book. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Cause so let me say this. I've, I've, I don't, I'm not a student of the Bible. I've read it a couple times. Mm-hmm. but not the whole thing so that's like the story of bows get like the women saying get you a bows yes yes that's that story uh, okay so so i mean but that would mean a woman because she what laid at his feet so that would mean you would kind of like sacrifice yourself for that man is that how I'm no i think it's just more so like letting him know hey i know you saw me i see you back <laughs> Oh, okay. Like, it's like opening yourself up, like letting him know you're available. (laughs) Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. I have a very interesting life. I really do. Uh, Listen. (laughs) I I, I, I came into this podcast thinking about one thing, and you just took me in a whole... You done took me to a damn podcast where well, I'm messing to have a series just focused on you. <laughs> All oh the interesting my. nuances. Oh my God. How did, how, so how so how did you guys break the news? Like did y'all Gosh. tell y'all families together separate? How'd y'all do that? So this is a super fun fact. So let me move away from this thing. Um, I was like talking to my mom jokingly and I was like, so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing someone. She's like, oh, you are? I was like, yeah, you should give us your house because she has a nice house and I want it. And she was like, <laughs> I'm only going to do that if you guys get married. I said, okay, bet. She said, okay. And my mom's like, really like, she just goes with stuff. She's like, okay, let's go to the courthouse. I'll be there. It was like a quick combo. I was like, oh, say less. <laughs> so we broke the news to her. So then he hadn't told his parents, but like we had our application for our marriage license today, which is like a big deal because like we're technically like married. So he just called his parents last night, literally last night. He was like, so tomorrow I'm doing a thing. And they were like, okay, tell us about her. And then they were on board. And then I called my grandparents and they were like, okay. <laughs> so, oh my God. You, you, they've met you, I'm assuming, right? No. I, but you said you have a best friends. Yeah, but we're also grown ups. Like I don't live near my. I don't. I didn't. Live oh, near okay. And, and see, you know what? Let me back up. Let me back up. Because I, 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 I see, and this is this is my fault because I'm thinking about dating, and yeah, and just because you best friends don't mean you've met your you've met that friend because there's plenty of my great friends that my parents have never met. So yeah. 
Okay, I'm I'm going to walk that comment back. But they've <laughs> never met you. No. <laughs> Damn. They didn't even get a chance to reject you. I know. <laughs> crazy. This is unbelievable. I I couldn't even you I didn't, I didn't imagine us having this conversation. It's been a crazy day. <laughs> Man. Wait till Maya hears this. Oh, I know. Literally. <laughs> Literally, she's gonna like punch me in my face. Like, <laughs> well, she'll probably know before you, you'll probably tell her soon before the podcast, right? Okay. I mean, she knew she knew that we were like talking like that at some point. So I don't she won't be too surprised. She'll be like, oh, already? Okay. That is unbelievable. Like what is his his parents um are they they they're they're black, right? Yes. We're not, all black. They're not um because you said Joe's an immigrant. His is just black. Yeah. What did they say? Because I know how black folks think. I guess because we have so much like spirituality involved, they're on board. Like even with my grandparents, my grandparents are Jehovah's Witnesses, so they're very conservative. But because I was like, I've been praying on it and I've da da da, they were like, okay. Wow. Yeah. And you guys thought about having kids and all that stuff? That will come when it comes. So we've talked about that and I'm like, give me like, can I get this degree first? You know, get my... Get my doctorate, <laughs> and that'll be good. I mean, but you close, so I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, that that could be like within a year, two years. Yeah, I guess the fear, though, as a black woman, is one. We both talked about this before. Like, black women die during childbirth all the time. All, the, and I've had terrible experiences with doctors. Like when I was in Florida, I had terrible experiences. I once had an allergic reaction after I had a procedure done and my doctor let me drive home and I literally could have died. <laughs> oh. Like I had a wow. doctor leave me with my like, I had like a root canal and the doctor decided to leave me in the middle of it and take a phone call for 30 minutes. Damn. Yeah, like I've been, I have been treated like trash by just like dentists and like even gynecologists and regular doctors, so that's a big fear because they just don't take black women seriously. Like I actually, so my grandmother, she actually died of stage four cancer. And if the doctors had listened to her all the years that she was complaining, she would not have died of stage four cancer, but they didn't believe her because she was a black woman with an accent. Mm. Damn. So, so that that's a, yeah, well that, that's a real thing then. Wow. Yep. But I mean, you know, you, you, you got faith and you read and you, you trust God. So you're going to have to overcome it. And find me a black doctor. <laughs> oh, that too. Definitely. That too. I mean, they're around. My, my, my wife had two of them. So <laughs> that makes me feel better because these doctors, around. these doctors, they do not like I, so I do pediatrics. And one thing I learned is that African-Americans, we metabolize medications more quickly than white people, but psychiatrists and doctors don't account for that. So a lot of times when we're getting medicated, we're being over-medicated. Oh. And that's why a lot of black people don't take medicine. Not even because they know that fast because they'll take certain medications and they'll feel sick. You didn't get the right dosage. They didn't actually care about your race. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. Well, what, what part have you guys thought about where you want to Well. Your mom's giving you the house, right? She said that, but she might have just been playing with me. So we'll see if I, well, 
well, we'll see if I get the house, but also I'm doing the match process for the APIC, like the psychological thing. So wherever I end up matching is where we have to live, at least for a year. Oh, okay. 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 Oh, so how does he feel about that? He's ready to move? Yeah. All my sites are within um, three states that are all like an hour drive. So we'll figure it out. Oh, oh, okay. 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 So so it won't be like, like you move into Florida because you're in. Yeah, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no. And he's, he's all, cause he, I'm, I'm assuming like, is he done? Is he in school too? Or he's done? No, he's done. Oh, okay. So he's already in his career. Yeah. And so, but I'm, I guess it's more so I would just gear around his position. I don't know. Cause the cool thing about getting a PhD is that you can work anywhere. So like wherever his career takes him, like I'm, I'm good. I have connections in different places. Schools always are hiring. Hospitals are always hiring. So. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think you're going to have a problem finding work, which is great. It, it, would you do you prefer to stay in Maryland? I don't know. I mean, I grew up in Maryland. I like Maryland. There's a lot of black people there. I think one yeah. thing I definitely realized when in coming back is that I miss being around black people. Like, not to be rude, but like black, black people. Because the black people I've met in Tampa didn't even know how to twerk. So, <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know what? I listen, let me tell you something. I know exactly what you mean because we, re, when we, we grew, I grew up in, um, DMV. So when we relocated here to uh, California, it's been it's been different. The culture shock because like you're they look like you, but they don't act like you, and they make you feel weird for acting black. Yeah, I haven't. I like I see like I may see uh, I see a, I, I see one or two black people every day, with but I don't really get a chance to interact with black people. Whereas at home, at home, that's like, that wasn't a thing. It was like, I worked around black people, you know, my neighborhood, it wasn't all black, but there was enough black people where I didn't feel like, oh my God, they got somebody black. Like here is like, oh man, they got a black guy, they got a black woman. And like that, that feeling alone just, just grows tired. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm too much, like me and my wife, we like, we both really pro black and it's like when you pro black you want to be around black people so yeah and it's exhausting when you're not around black people because you still have to like you have to put on a show like you can't just be yourself you can't just be vibing you can't say certain stuff without someone being like what do you mean or getting offended like we have to put on these masks to be around people who aren't like us i've been i've been pretty well see because of covid we haven't really been around a lot of people so <laughs> that's one and two. I think because you, I, th- I think your age and what you're doing is a factor. But yeah. when you when you get like I'm 40, so when you get to be when you start getting older and more established in your career, and you're not dealing with folks like that. You're mm-hmm. not doing that shit no more. <laughs> yeah. Also, I was in Florida, and in Florida, COVID doesn't exist. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to adjust to like, people are actually wearing masks. Oh, you guys are full capacity at the restaurant? Oh, okay. Damn, Florida was really like that. I went to Disney World. I went to a concert. Yeah. (laughs) And still no COVID, huh? 
I still know COVID. Me and Maya, actually, we went out um, for Halloween weekend. We was at a club. There was kids in the club. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, wow, we really out here. <laughs> and you, you came back, you came back to run and everything shut down. Everyone got masks on. I, lo- I mean, I love it. But like, even in Florida, you walk into a store and no one's wearing masks. Like, you look crazy if you have a mask on, depending on the store, I should say. But yeah, yeah, we have yeah, a lot yeah. of outdoor you, you, stuff. People would be outdoors by the hundreds, just no masks, just walking around, breathing. Damn. Wow. Mm-hmm. I can't, like, I can't even, ma- like, if when we, when, when COVID first happened, it wasn't mandatory to wear masks. But I think around, like, May, that's when they became mandatory. Mm-hmm. And it's like now you like you don't even feel right if you don't like I was out yesterday and I went in the store and I'm like, something just don't feel right. And I realized I didn't have my mask on. So I had to go back to the car, go get my mask. Yeah. It's becoming a norm to put on a mask. Yeah, it's it's man. Wow. Oh my God. Listen, I'm I'm so Wow, I don't even know the words to say for this conversation, but I tell you what, we gotta have it again. Yes. <laughs> yes. I we listen. I know the people who listen. Like, oh yeah, you gotta get her back. So you, you guys are getting married. Like, it's pretty much official, right? Yeah, we just have to turn in the paperwork. Like, once you get the marriage license, you have to have the pastor sign it and then just send it back. Also, really fun aside fact about the patriarchy. The fact that I have to go through so much to change my last name is very ghetto. Just saying. <laughs> Are you changing it? Oh, so you changing your last name? Yeah. And so the look today we went, we had to go under oath and everything. And she didn't even give me an option to not change my last name. She's like, here's the name change stuff. And I was like, you, you didn't ask me if I wanted to keep my last name, but okay, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's cool. Welcome, welcome to the welcome to our society. You don't get yeah. that option. You're not, especially as a black woman, she's like, You better take this and be happy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You really, yeah, you really, it's really not up for negotiation with us. I told my wife, like, I, I we, we were so young, we was, we were young, and I was like, Nah, you need to take my last name. Like, we, we, I, that was, we didn't even think about her not taking it. I don't even think she thought about not taking it. Maybe she did. I don't know. We never even talked about it. How old were y'all when she you got married? Took it. I was twenty. I was. Uh, we were. She was twenty five. I was twenty three. Oh, okay. So, so her brain was fully developed. She so she's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She she took it. She didn't even um. It wasn't like no long conversation. It was like we got married. Like two three days later, she went down to NBA and got everything official. So we didn't even have a discussion about it. It'd be like that. I mean, it's, it's a traditional thing and I think it's it's fine. But I also have a lot of queer friends and a lot of queer couples don't do the whole last name thing. Oh, you said queer couples? Yeah, like LGBTQ+. Oh, well, I mean, wouldn't it get a little confusing with them? No, not, not trying to be disrespectful, but it would get a little confusing, I would think. Oh, I guess they could go somewhere like, oh, you guys sisters? Y'all brothers? It's like, no, we're married. I mean, because it's... <laughs> I mean, I guess because I can't think of a better term, patriarch. I mean, it's usually you take the man's last name. So if it's two women, it's like, mm-hmm. well, there is no man. So it's out the window. 
So if it's two men, it's like, well, wait a minute, who? Whose last name we gonna take? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> which one sounds better? <laughs> right. So it, it, it makes total sense why they don't, because there's no, they don't fall under patriot. What is it? Patriot. Whatever that word. Yeah, yeah. whatever that word is. I, 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 as you can see, that word is not really in my vocabulary. So good, good, because the patriarchy is toxic. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I hate saying it. Um, whatever. Like, I, I don't like. I, I understand the word, um, <laughs> but the way, the way. Okay, the way society set up, it is what it is. But yeah. in my household you know, me and my wife, we work together. We work as a team. And yes, she took my last name, but you know, at the end of the day, we still a team. So there's no, I'm above her. She above me. We, you know, we work well as a unit. So mm -hmm. but let, let me, that. let me give you this part in advice, you know, just make sure y'all, you know, that's the biggest thing. Just keep, keep y'all, you know, keep it as a team. And mm -hmm. like you say, you use that word compromise. That's a great word. So partnership. You know, I mean, I, yeah. And I've also just counseled so many couples, <laughs> so many married couples. I'm like, okay, so this is what I should do. This is what I shouldn't do. This is a healthy relationship. This is a not healthy one. We can do these activities. So I have a lot of resources too. So I feel like I'm very blessed in that aspect of like having the psychological side of it, seeing healthy marriages, seeing not healthy marriages. I've dated people before, like things like that. So, but I wish no. the resources that I had were more readily available because a lot of people would be more successful in relationships if they had those resources. Wow. Well, listen, I'm going to thank you for doing this. And like I said, if you're willing to talk about it again, I do not want this to be the last time we talk. <laughs> Let me know. I have all the, the interesting things in life. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll, look, we'll, we'll make sure to keep in touch. Alrighty, you just you have my Instagram, so just let me know. Definitely. I want to take this time to thank everyone who's listened to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. Y'all have a great day.